one. It's the pot hacker. I'm back. Josh has. Oh, jeez. The weather out here is horrible. Josh has a new guest today. Her name is Terry Jospicio. She's like this New York consultant who co created the show Lights Camera Expert. Uh, it's for authors and experts and entrepreneurs who want to grow their media presence. I think she's going to have a lot of really good stuff for us. I, believe, I can't believe Josh still doesn't know I'm doing this. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get out of the rain. You guys enjoy. Pod Hacker out. Hey, Terry, come on. You can, you can sit over here. I've got oh it. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll set up over here. Oh, no. God. Yeah, this place is All awesome, right. isn't it? Jeez. So, so what it's this... Like I could have done without the bag in my head, though, Josh. Really, I wasn't going to tell anyone. <laughs> so this place is, uh, it's a Cold War era bunker, and it was just abandoned. And so I worked with uh, kind of some <clears throat> local politics, uh, lo local politicians, and I was wow. able to uh, basically rent it for a, a few months. So I'm, as I'm working on my project, which I kind of talked to you about. Wow. Well, it's about the size of my apartment, so I'm perfectly comfortable. <laughs> well, good. What I wanted to do is, um, you know, again, I'm kind of doing this Napoleon Hill thing where I'm kind of interviewing the brightest minds. This is not for public consumption. So this is oh, only secret. This is top secret. And, and Terry, I want you to know that there's absolutely, positively, no way that we're being listened to right now. Oh, good. Good. So I can, I can like it and let it all hang out, which that's is, right. you know, that, that's exactly finally right. be unfiltered. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I know you have a problem with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Phew. I feel so relieved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's um, good. obviously, you know, I, I searched through like everyone I knew. One thing that I really wanted to talk about is I, I want to teach people, uh, or at least you know, provide some information, introduce them to somebody in the in the near future here um, as part of my top secret project oh, okay. on how to grow their speaking career. Ah, I'm really curious, and I know you know better than anybody I know how the TEDx system works. Yes. Can you like what's the difference between TED and TEDx? Yes, common, very common question. TED is, of course, this major media company, global. Uh, TED, when you hear about TED Mainstage, that's the company that curates very, very highly selective, um, very hard to get into events. But what happened is they they started TEDx. And what happened is TEDx are independently organized. TED events. So mm. they're kind of like a franchise. Uh, so companies and individuals and whoever can apply to host and organize their own TEDx event. So they differ because the person who runs it will be different and the place and the crowd and who they bring in will be different, but they have a set of rules they must follow. They, it's part of the TED community. So there's an approach to TED speaking, which to my mind has become the gold standard of public speaking. But because there's more and more TEDx events everywhere, every year, there are lots of opportunities more than ever for people to give a TEDx talk if it's something they've always wanted to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at the, uh, I, I check out my, uh, I'll swing this around here. So my laptop here, oh. um, look, oh my gosh, there are TEDx events everywhere. They're everywhere. They're all over. You want to go to Milan, see if there's a TEDx Milan. I mean, like they're everywhere and you can sort them by, you know, you could look Josh to see like, well, where are they happening? When are they happening? And then apply for those talks or have someone nominate you. You can yeah. do either way. 
Yeah, but it's not as people are like oh, it's so hard to get a TED talk because I'm not you know Brene Brown or Simon Sinek, and the fact <laughs> is, there it's much more democratic now. That you know even Ted Mainsage continually does sweeps through the country to seek new talent, so it's not out of reach when people say oh, yeah. it's a bucket list. You could do it if you wanted. You, Josh. So obviously, so so TED or TEDx, they're they're not looking for any you know just any old message. Like they have some guidelines yes. and generally what makes good content for. Um, the kind of the TEDx stage. And, and what yes. is that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, when you talk about TED as a, I like to think of it as the standard because TED is pure, when I'll just say TED is shorthand for TED and TEDx, is pure content. So if you give a talk somewhere where you get to promote a product or maybe you give a, you go on a book tour and you promote your book, TED is not a promotional platform. It's, yeah, it filters out everything. So it's really the idea. It's as that's what their motto is, right? Ideas worth spreading. So if you have a PhD and you've written 10 books, maybe you can get a TED talk, but you know what? So could a waitress who had an amazing discovery or, or who has an idea that could change people's lives. So it's not about, Oh, if you're more important, you can get one. Uh, mm. I see people of all different walks of life, you know, do, doing them as long as you have. And that's the thing, the idea and the way Chris Anderson talks about Ted. He is the curator of Ted. He's sort of the, the creator of how we see today in, in its current iteration. His, by the way, his book is, is really good. I, I found it to be the best book on public speaking I've read. And it's called the official Ted guide to public speaking. And his whole thing is, look, it's not about all being important. It's about what he calls presentation literacy. It's being able to get up, tell a story, be vulnerable and personal, and also plant an idea in the audience's head that wasn't there before. And so that's the challenge. So when people go, oh, I'm a motivational speaker, or I have a really important topic, it's not about motivation or important. It's about how will you change the way I see the world after listening to you? Hmm. So how do I know? So if I'm like coming up with a couple of ideas, like how do I know which one would be yes. most appropriate for the TED audience? Well, uh, that, that's something I, I, I mean, thank God we're, we're here privately, Josh, so we can walk through your idea beyond the ears of any listening or prying. prying <laughs> we wouldn't people. want this information to get out. I wouldn't want it to get out for sure. Uh, but also, I, I think the best way to talk about it is to, uh, to walk through an actual idea. But I will tell you this, the best TED Talks are ones that take an existing idea, take an assumption and turn it on its ear. Uh, so for instance, if you walked up Mount Everest, hiked up Mount Everest, you might think, oh, now I'll have a TED Talk because I climbed Mount Everest. Meh, maybe. There might be a TEDx organizer who needs a Mount Everest climber at her event. But the fact is, if you don't have an idea about why I care about that or what you learned, then I, I don't know, you know why I want to hear it. So having something happen to you, it can be the start of a talk because it, it's a, maybe it's a transformative personal experience, but having had something happen is not enough. Same thing on the other side of that, Josh, is if you have a great idea for a talk, but you don't have a story or narrative that supports it, we don't have any evidence of why, why this is true. Then that's where you get stuck. And I'll give you one example. Uh, I worked with a woman cause I, I worked with people all the time, you know, to help them develop their ideas. And one woman I worked with is a professor at Duke university and she teaches literature, she does a lot. She did the first course in the country on the selfie, on like cultural criticism of social media. And she said, I really want to do a talk about selfie, but I don't know what. I said, well, why do you, why are you fascinated with the selfie? And she said, well, because I don't think it's what people think it means. 
Like when you see people taking selfies, you're like, oh my God, they're so self-absorbed. They're so narcissistic. Millennials, hashtag, get over it. Uh, they're all obsessed with themselves. And she says, this is a mistake. The selfie is actually a cry out to connect with other people. She said, the selfie is not a show of narcissism. It's the show of, I want to connect with someone. That's why I'm looking at the camera. That's why I'm looking at you. I want to connect with you and show you that this is what my life is right now. And so that was an idea she turned. And it and she did get to do that talk. It was because it changed the way we saw a thing. So if it's, I'll tell you what TED organizers don't want. They're allergic to cliche. So if you're like, oh, well, if you work hard, uh, you'll get your dreams or, you know, take, for instance, my TED Talk. My TEDx Talk has over 3.6 million views to date. And it's because I took an idea everyone talks about, like, you should follow your passion. You should just follow your passion. I was like, I hate that idea. I said, I really think that that's the wrong way to give advice. I think it's unhelpful advice. So I gave my TED Talk on why searching for your passion is a lousy idea. And that got a lot of attention. But I really believed what I said. So to that end, Josh, when you're thinking about your idea, and I want to hear it since we're here privately, I think it's a safe place for us to discuss. Here's the things I'm going to tell you that I'll look for when you talk to me about your idea. I'm going to look for, are you curious about something? Uh, are you challenging an existing idea? Are you talking to me like a person as opposed to an industry or business to business Maybe your talk is about a problem you solve for yourself that now we can use to solve. And maybe you're asking us to think about something differently. Maybe you, you, you still talk to your parents one way and then you change or, or your kid or there's something that changed in you. I'll tell you the most boring TED talks are the ones when, and they're not all great. Trust me. When someone is telling you what to do or lecturing you and they have no moment of discovery for themselves, there has to be a struggle or a moment of discovery. So are you willing to share it with me? Yeah, I'm like, you could see it. Like I'm, <laughs> my pen has been furiously <laughs> writing notes here because I'm, I'm really, it's like, I'm almost like writing a checklist of like, you know, does it meet this? Does it meet this? You know, it doesn't have to check of, all those boxes, but if it does one of those things and explores one idea, and here's the other thing, most people try to talk about too much. They try to tell the whole life story. They try to do much. So let's talk about the micro idea. So we start with the seed, not the whole tree. Where is the seed of your idea? Yeah. You know, the big thing I think I'm experiencing right now and what led me to um, really shift where I was spending most of my time is, you know, of course, with Savings Angel, I became this media persona. And so this is a subject you and I both know, because you've had so much experience in the media as well. Um, but what had happened, so with Savings Angel, like I wanted to get my message out and I had no money. And so I thought, well, what would happen is instead of paying, because I couldn't do that, that wasn't an option. What would happen if I just found places to serve and I just, and I just taught and I just, you know, gave value. And I said, you know what? Heck with it. If people, if people want to buy my thing, I don't care. Like I really, you know, and then I go, that is, and I know that that's not an original idea at all. But there's but no such thing as original idea. It's okay. As long as it's yours. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. So, so I just started working. So it was, I started with a local small town radio, had the experience there. And a lot of this you may know. Um, but I'm just kind of ramping up to uh, kind of my thesis here is, um, started there, which then that led to an invitation to do Clear Channel and Grand Rapids, Michigan radio, which then I started 
I approached my local small town newspaper, which then led to an invitation to write for the Grand Rapids Press on a regular basis, um, which then led to, oh, and by the way, the radio led to syndicated radio, um, which I've done probably, I've been on radio probably over 500 times easily. And then my newspaper column. So my column with the Grand Rapids Press led to a syndicated column. Um, TV started doing that, which led to syndicated TV. And so I'm just kind of, you know, you serve small audiences and you provide so much value. And if if you truly love serving people, then public relations, and this is going to be kind of pivot into what I'm thinking might be territory for um, TEDx stage. But, you know, when you serve audiences, you'll find that public relations becomes the easiest thing in the world. And it's interesting. And I think that this might be part of my brand, Terry, is that I don't have a background. I, I, yeah, I was a journalist in the United States Navy for five years, but I didn't go to college for public relations. I actually went to college for family science and uh, really just learning how families work together and about relationships. Like it's, it's all about relationships. And so that's my approach to PR today. And what I'm finding and kind of what we teach is the world is, has just truly became, has become so democratized where we no longer need gatekeepers anymore. All we need are guides. And it's those guides that, you know, if you are a fan of social media, and again, I know there's a lot of cleaning up to do here um, as I'm kind of talking this out. Um, but it's it's the guides that you know through podcasts and through YouTube and through the TED stage that will show you how to do anything it is that you want to do and and will help you. So now, thanks to social media, you know any influencer that you want on the planet, they're no more than just a few clicks away. And so you know the old guard system of public relations we see is undergoing a major transformation where you know. The, the old guard system was you pay me $5,000 and I'll make an introduction. That's really not a thing anymore <laughs> because you don't, you don't really need that. You, you really just need to cultivate an authentic relationship with that person yourself. Like all relationships are built. So I think somewhere in there, I'm hoping there is, you know, again, I know that needs to be kind of fine tuned, but that's where I'm hoping there, there is a, okay. a something that would be. So let's, let me ask you this. Why does any of this matter to you? I know that oh you're, an, you're an expert in your field and, yes. and the only, in the people who would be interested in this are people who want to learn to do this themselves. That's industry language and, and in a industry focus. So this would be a great, great keynote, for instance, for people who are already primed to want to know how to do media. But the main TED audience is a universal audience. It's about ideas we use for living, not people who are specifically looking for PR. So we have to back up a minute, back out of this, uh, zoom out a sec and say, why does this matter? Aside from the obvious, giving value, uh, being of service. Those are two very good things that come out of this. But why would the average person need to know this if they're not seeking media? Where's the biggest picture? Absolutely. That's a great question. I, and I think, so my my fundamental belief and, and is the core of the why what I do today is that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. The, the, the challenge is that, you know, if 
exposure is everything. I mean, for, for any idea, that's where change, when you are exposed and, and when you're given the opportunity, um, to, to share your message with others, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're doing that in a silo, it has no change, it has no impact. It's, it's a tree falling in the woods I mean, by itself. Yes. It doesn't make a noise. And so let me ask you this. Has there been a time early on, even pre-professional life anywhere, when you tried to share a message and people didn't listen? Were you ever shut down by someone? Yeah, that's all the time. Who, who do you have a specific time? I failed in business when you got- seven times. And, and in fact, they always all came down to exposure. It's, and in fact, you know, when I wanted to lose 60 pounds, it wasn't until I gave myself exposure to that idea was I able to do it. It wasn't, and, and I got, I gave myself accountability and it was only because of that exposure and that authenticity that I shared with everybody. But that also I said, look, th- what does that mean? No, hang on back up 60 pounds. You wanted to lose and then exposure helped. What do you mean? When you went to go lose weight, what did you do? Yeah, I, I shared my goal with people. And I said, I, people one-on-one no, in no, the no, bunker no. publicly, like socially. Okay. Yeah. Ah, so social media, right? That's part of this because the reason we can become exposed, right? Is because we have all of access to it, yeah. right? It's not that you booked something on the today show when you felt like losing weight. That's not what no. you're saying. You're saying you exposed it, meaning you took people along on the journey yes. with you. How long ago was that? So that was about seven years. Seven six, years ago. Yes. Yeah, what was, do you remember the very first time you started going online, social media before the weight issue, but let's talk about the social part. Do you remember the first time you went online to, in a social media broadcast your life kind of way? Well, so I, I don't even remember. It's been that I know. long. So, but. well, I started a small town newspaper and that was about, that was about 16, 15, 16 years ago, which, um, I had actually, before that I had started, a blog before there were such things as blogs. Oh, really? Yeah. So you started that, and why would you start a blog before anyone's even on them or reading? Yeah, them? there was that's, no such. That's bold. yeah, there was no such thing as a blog. Um, it's because I wanted to create this sense of community. We had moved to a small town, and it was kind of this new master plan community. And I thought, you know what? I'm kind of excited about this concept. I bet other people are excited about this concept, and they want to be involved. They want to have a voice in what's going on. They want to be connected to the decision makers that are making these uh, decisions. So I took it right. upon myself to go. Uh, interview the developers and the mayor and the councilman, the city manager. You're a journalist. I mean, this is what a journalist yeah, does, right? Yeah. This is, you have an eye toward that. Now back up even further, go before professional. I want to get out of business yeah. speak and business head because you're thinking about success and business and I want to pull out of there. As a kid, like I don't care, 10, 17, 19 years old, whatever. Can you think of a specific time or something that stands out to you when you either got a lot of attention and it was great or got shut down and it was bad? I got shut down all through elementary school. For what? Trying too hard. What does that mean? Give me one example. Yeah. So I, I think that, and even in middle in middle school too, like I, I honestly, oh gosh, you know, I was like, you know, I, I just... I wanted, you know, I think like a lot of kids, like I wanted to be liked and I wanted to be able to, you know, have an impact on people. But I think I just tried too hard and I ended up looking like a poser. But hang on. Yeah. So let's go down even closer because what's happening is we're evading story and we need a story. Doesn't mean you need to use this in your talk, but I need to get my hands on the grain of a story. All the time, this always happened. I would get shut down. Isn't a picture. I need to know that 
uh, in fifth or sixth grade, you wanted to hang out with this group of kids and you offered to go, you tried to go play with them and they said, get out of here, you weirdo. Or did you not have, did you have your tray in the cafeteria and look around and have nowhere to sit? Like, those there's a moments like I in first grade I thought I had to ask permission to leave the room because I didn't feel well and and I I would never just get up and leave I was like raising my hand and she didn't call on me and I puked all over myself and everyone around me and it was absolutely so traumatic that it was like I'm still afraid of throwing up because I was so publicly mortified I will never forget that you must have some moment like we all have moments that are good and bad I need a moment of like, who is Josh? What does trying too hard mean? Were you annoying? Were you pushy? Were you sweet? What did was it hard for you to hang on to friends? Like, give me just one image of Josh pre-career. Um, so I would consider myself the king of mixtapes. <laughs> so really, I would, yeah, I would make you know really just kind of record all my favorite music, and Love I was probably sense. making a mixtape for some girl at least oh. at least two to three a month. And I, I would wait different girls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You would just, you're a mixtape slut. (laughs) (laughs) You were handing them out. I thought that when you give it to someone, give someone a mixtape, it means you're really serious about them. But you were like making them like, here, this is for you, Cheryl. And here, this is for you, Linda. And then what happened when you hand, do you remember handing, do you remember one of the times when you gave it and did you hand it to the girl? Did you slip it under her door? Well, you handed it right to oh, him. Always, I'd hand it to him, and and of course, and what I do you would, say? I would design. Hey, I just, um, you know, I just wanted to share. Uh, so you know, so I I make the mixtape, and then I'd say, and and of course, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just making the the tape itself. Like I would make the cover art for the cassette. Oh please, oh of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, put- I know you take magazine pictures and fold them inside mm-hmm. the plastic case. Yeah. So you would make this whole beautiful thing and then walk over and hand it to her or yeah. just leave it somewhere. No, no, I would, I would hand. So in, in my early days, so I would hand it to them and they would say, uh, thank you or whatever. And then like a, uh-huh. a couple days later, I'd ask if they listened to it and they didn't. And I'm like, they didn't. Uh- Oh my god! Do you remember like one of those tapes? Yeah. Like, who oh, were yeah. you into? No, yeah, who was, was on it? Yeah, it was. What was the music? Um, it so this would have been like early indie stuff from the eighties, and so Island Femmes. Yeah, well, even I would say even more indie. I would probably put like a maybe like a more obscure Violent Femmes track, but you know, it's just like I, I was a big fan of like. Um, you know, just like skate rock and uh, SST and punk and um, just indie stuff like Meat Puppets and Black Flag. Meat Puppets, and amazing. And- but wait a minute, you this was music you liked, yeah. right? You weren't going. I'm writing, putting love songs together. No, for Linda. no, 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 no. So you, were you in a way trying to show? Of course, you wanted to connect with this girl, but were you trying to show her stuff that you liked that you thought was cool? Yeah, or. Were you saying here? I thought you would like this. Like, what, what was your real reason? I, I guess I wanted her to think that I was really cool. Yes, because you have cool eclectic taste. That's right. Because look at all this great music. And I, my hope was that you know she may. I would put like a couple songs on there. I know she would recognize, and then she would see all these songs. Maybe she hadn't heard, but I knew what they were. And now all of a sudden. You know, she's she thinks I'm the coolest guy ever because I introduced her to this something new. But did that ever work out that way? Did they ever say, "Wow, you're the coolest now since this mixtape"? Did it ever close the deal for you? Mm-hmm. Did you get a girlfriend out of it? As I got sometimes, maybe my by my sophomore year, it started working out for me because I I kept, <laughs> I kept at it for quite a while. <laughs> but I mean, I love this. 
is this not, I mean, look, I'm, we're the same age. Like we came from the same era. I was also the recipient of many. And those mixtapes became mini albums that dictated and defined the relationship with another person. In some ways, those mixtapes were a kind of micro social media because now we share things we like with the world. What you were desperate to do was to share what you really cared about with someone else in a collected, curated way. That's what you do, right? You collect and curate and share. That is what we are all tasked with today. But it started with the mixtapes. And you know what? No wonder it was hard. You had a Twitter audience of one at a time. You were handing them to one person. That's it. But it wasn't just like, hey, this is our time together, Lynn. It reflects songs that we shared together. This was your likes. But what you realized was, you know, it's worth sharing what you care about. And that, in a way, is what you have ended up doing. You go to lose weight later in life. What do you do? You say, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to share it. So, and here's why I mention this, because you always struck me and have struck me, Josh. It's like a very open and, and incredibly generous person. And yes, it, it's not a surprise to me that you want to be liked. You don't act like you if you don't want people to like you. Trust me, you and I know, both know people who don't want to be liked. They don't care what you think, and they treat you that way. But I feel like there's something here. It's not about publicity because most people aren't trying to do that. I think when we think about the objections, now here's where it gets into the talk for the Ted Worthy part, is that we have to tackle an objection people hear. There's no one who says, well, it's bad to share yourself. It's bad to share things you like. No, we all know that's great. But the reason why we get hung up on, and you're really great on social and in broadcast and and you're out there in the world, the reason people don't is because why? Why do you think people don't? You work with people all the time who are a little afraid to put themselves out there. What are they afraid of? Yeah, rejection. Well, of course, right? They're afraid of rejection. What will really happen if you, you know that tweeting and stuff, it's not going to ruin your life, uh, a tweet here and there. Some people might. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what is the thing that you want the listener of a TED audience to hear? First of all, they will be charmed by the mixtape thing. They will be charmed by a person who has wanted to give. This is not a commentary on the publicity or media business about guides, not gatekeepers, but you can right. use and touch some of the lens of that because now you're a, you're a seasoned, you know, I do see you as a, as a, as a journalist and as a social media maven. But the fact is for people who go, well, I don't want to share it's someone's business. It's private or, 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 um, I'm sharing all my stuff and no one's listening. Figure out what problem this idea solves. And I think it is, if you want people to listen, you must give yourself away. You're talking about being generous and that social media isn't a place to be narcissistic, whatever, but it's a place for you to demonstrate generosity. And it's rather than be afraid of it and hate it. Oh, I hate social media, especially people our age. You know, they're like, oh, I hate social media. It's so stupid and banal. It's like, if you cannot give of yourself on social media, then maybe you're not ready to give anything at all. Mm-hmm. If that touches a chord. Now, we're just, we're just kind of waxing around ideas here, but do you see how it has to come down to a soul level of, hey, this changed my life or, hey, I got rejected a lot sharing my stuff and what are mixtapes, if not curated collections, the way our own social media platforms are. It didn't work. It didn't work until sophomore year, Mary Beth loved my uh, Meat Puppets collection on the <laughs> mixtape I made her. And we had something in common and I asked her to the prom and she said, yes, like whatever the story is, and you have to dig through your stories and say, when did sharing start to work for you? Because in the beginning, you tried too hard. 
and it didn't work. And then when you started to share in a way, you realized it's not about putting out what you want to other people. That doesn't work. You had to figure out what other people want. And that was a shift from, hey, hey, I want to share myself and let everyone think I'm cool for what I like. And the shift to, hey, how do I serve people? Yeah, and then yeah. what's the real message? Is that being generous is what? Like it has to be a human message, not a business message. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's the thing you do bravely. What's the thing you do bravely that that no one else wants to do as much as you do? You go out there, you you do things in a way that most people don't, and and you have a business because of it. And maybe it is taking a crack at gatekeepers and that you don't need permission anymore. It might yeah. be that, but it's got to be something that the everyday person can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. Not just the entrepreneurial audience. But although, but that talk is great for the entrepreneurial audience. Your talk (laughs) about your journey through media would be and will be great for a TED style talk at an entrepreneurship conference or whatever, because they want to know why you can be your own media guide and you don't need gatekeepers anymore. That is an industry specific talk. But for TED, I want to hear about the human Josh. I don't want to just hear about entrepreneurship. I don't want to, I want to hear how it changed you. And it might be around the weight loss or it might be around love. It might be around curation and what it means to share what you do with the world. But you got to figure out, well, how will I overcome what someone's kind of afraid of? Here's the three things I always say. It's the three parts of, of a Ted Worthy talk are tell me, show me, change me. Tell me what you think. Show me the ways this is at play in your life. Tell me stories, right? Show me how it looks. And then as a result, change the way I see it. And that, that's kind of everything, the idea. So you need both. You need the idea and you need, and you need the story too. And you know what I mean? Does it make sense? I mean, we're just kicking around. We'd have to sit yeah. for a long time to, to figure it out. But what rings for you there? Well, you know, it's, I, you know, only now just kind of talking with you, I'm like, you know, there, there, there absolutely could be something there. You know, I kind of, you know, need to work on, you know, that bridge between what, I mean, I like what you shared, you know, about, um, you know, that, that mixtapes are kind of the curated social media of our time. And it's, it, it, you know, when you shift to serving people instead of just, yeah, I, 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 yeah. There's something there. I mean, the mixtape is so so. rich. It's in, what's I, what do I call, I call like a cultural, it's an, um, it's kind of a non-archetype, but it's a, a thing that you can hold on to. It's a, it's an object and it brings all the ideas into focus. If you were to say to an audience, always oh, get shut down time. I tried too hard. They don't know what that means. They don't know if you've pushed your way into people's birthday parties where you weren't invited or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they don't know what that is. Uh, it's very, it's, it, it should touch on real storytelling from your life. And when that's the thing that jumped to your mind, when I asked, I say, don't lose that because there's something there. You don't just, those things don't fly to the surface of your mind for nothing. Um, and so it's worth, it's worth thinking about. And I think it's something that people are giving TED Talks. They think, oh, I have to motivate people and I have to inspire them. Please don't. Don't go in to inspire. Go in to share an idea. Just go in to share the idea and make them see something in a new way and, and pick the fight with something that they already think they know. Okay. Well, thank you. I mean, that, and, and thank you so much for being willing to kind of help me. I think I've, I've got the foundation for something that I think could be really, really cool. And I'd love to follow up with you as I kind of, of ruminate on this uh, a bit more. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, um, and, and we're both in that world of 
helping people kind of increase their visibility and increase their authority. And from your experience, and and you shared your numbers, what can uh, a, a TEDx talk mean for someone's personal brand as they're kind of trying trying to grow? I think of TEDx as kind of the uh, the ultimate thought leadership platform up there with books. I mean, TEDx has not been around that long, but seriously, like a book has a lot of gravitas. You know, a book is really great and important. Uh, but someone at a party recently said to me, I mean, I don't, uh, she had a book coming up. She was like, I mean, someone said I should do a TEDx talk, but I mean, everyone's doing them. It's like not special anymore. And I said, so you don't want to give a TED talk because other people have given them? And she said, well, yeah, it's just like everyone's doing it. I go, well, didn't you just write a book? She said, yeah. I go, why'd you write a book? Everyone's already written them. <laughs> and she said, okay, fine. I get your point. I was like, well, it's true. Like, just because other people wrote a book doesn't mean you won't, you don't want to write a book. And a book is a very real platform to have, but a TEDx is they're largely and more quickly consumed. So you don't need to have them. But TEDx, people get book deals all the time from TEDx or the opposite. They do a TEDx talk based on one idea from their book. What it can do is really catapult you. Now, people ask me all the time, how did you get all those views? Did you just tweet a lot? Oh, trust me. Like I do not have a huge Twitter following. I could tweet every day of my life. That would not have gotten me that number. I really believe that the idea, if it connects, it will be shared. And that thing has been shared and shared and shared. And it goes on and on. The idea stands out. So, I believe that a really great idea that's well-delivered will rise. And what happens as a result is people see that talk and they go, oh, I want to work with her or, oh, I, maybe we should have her talk at our event. And they've already seen me speak, so they aren't worried. They're not sure, will she be able to do it? Nah, they're not worried. TEDx is a calling card for speaking. My whole speaking career has grown it, it, substantially. Um, and that means you know, what is it? Am I always giving that TED talk? No, I barely, I don't do that talk. I do other stuff. I talk about brand and business and, and, and I do talk about some of that, but you have to be able to, if you want that TED talk to go somewhere, you must also be demonstrating where else you're doing and talking about this stuff. So you don't do one TEDx talk, show up, give it, and then sit at home and wait for the numbers to rack up. You need to be continuing to do it. TEDx is kind of like, puts a little more juice in the tank, but you still need to have the tank and you still need to be driving. Does it make sense? Yeah, I love it. I love this. And then um, I know, so you professionally, like how do you, uh, you teach people this, right? I do. I do. I, I have how a- that work? I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. So some people will hire me to help them develop it. Sometimes they have an idea for a talk or they say they have uh, the beginnings of even a keynote talk. Sometimes people really want help shaping it or they've, they've applied to TEDx a few times and not gotten accepted. And I say, show me the application. And then I go, yep, I know why they're not taking it. It's cliche or it's not there yet. And so I'll work with people one-on-one. -on -one, and of course, I'm happy to talk to anyone if they want to do that. If you, Josh, ever come across anyone outside of the bunker who's interested, of course. But <laughs> even more so, uh, I actually have an online course where I walk through how do you structure, how do you think about creating this thing so that you have access to content. Uh, it's called Tap to Speak. It's, it's an online course that is available. And also, Josh, between us, because this is just, I haven't uh, quite announced it to the world yet, but mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be doing my own event in New York City in which I'm going to get like 50 people in a room and we're going to create these talks together. So I love the in-person stuff. I love to do group and workshop. Absolutely. But I work with people one-on-one -on -one too, because sometimes there's no replacement for that. 
And by the way, not everyone wants to do a TED Talk, but they want to be able to speak as if they did do a TED Talk. And whatever you're trying to do, if you know, Josh, you know, we know that speaking is a really powerful engine for our careers. It and, really is. Yeah. People in a room, they are like, just you have their captive attention. I mean, I found it to be the most powerful way to scale my own uh, business and brand. Well, of course, you know, with this with this project that I'm working on, authority is. I mean, it's all about you know how does someone create authority? How do they? Get, I don't say get on. Well, I mean, kind of like on the fast track, right? Like, what can you be doing right now in your business or in life so that you can make sure that you're not. You know, just doing know. your business in a vacuum. Okay, well, that's exactly. It. I would say, to people like, what is a thought leader? A thought leader is not someone with a business uh, or a title or whatever. As a thought leader, you don't just have thoughts; you change the way people think. You know, like a business. Ideally, the owner of a business wants the business to grow and maybe even outlive her. But a thought leader leaves a legacy of ideas. So, if you want to do that, the way to be a thought leader is you need to be doing it for free sometimes outside of the four walls of your business. If you're only doing it for people who pay you, that's a business, that's a practice. Thought yeah. leaders share what they do with the world. And you are that because you're always sharing very generously. Yep. And I try to Thank do the you. same thing, try to put yeah. it out there into the world so people can look to you without necessarily being on your calendar. I think that's the difference. Terry, I hear the uh, helicopter uh, oh my yeah, God. whirring up well, there. Signed, yeah, you're on, you're I on schedule. My I form so that you can, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy. You have my word. <laughs> so thank you for coming to the uh, to the bunker, and um, I'll get you to your uh, helicopter oh God, up there. Please. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, guys, that's all I got this time around. I'm, I'm going to be sending more out to you guys on the internet as I can get it, as, I, as Josh does more interviews. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast and, and don't tell Josh what I'm doing. If you know Josh, don't tell Josh. Don't rat me out, okay? Um, but, uh, but in the meanwhile, if you want to spy on Josh too, he's got a website, upmyinfluence.com. And, and you can you can spy on him there too, because because he's posting these things for real. You you guys are getting like weeks before him, so so again, don't tell Josh. Pot hacker out. <laughs>